Welcome to the Big Yellow School Bus, and here's your host, Jack Cobb with Murray County Public Schools. Welcome to the Big Yellow School Bus, Murray County Public Schools talk radio show and podcast on 103.7 FM WKRM. For today's show, we have a special guest. He's been on the Big Yellow School Bus before. We have State Representative Scott Sapicki. Welcome, Scott. Thank you very much, Jack, for being here. Man, last time you were on the show, you just gave so much great information. I was really happy to uh, get you back on the show here today. You know, school started up. Um, we're, we're going strong. Academics are looking good this year. Um, you are um, the you're on the committee, right? I'm on both education committees, and I chair one of the subs. Okay, so you're an education committee at the state level, and you're chairing one of the subcommittees. Tell us a little bit about those committees, would you, Scott? Oh, boy. Well, we've, uh, we normally, for the longest time, we had one education committee up in the General Assembly in the House. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, this year, or this session, uh, Speaker Sexton has divided it up. There are two education committees because, as you know, uh, besides health care, education is the biggest part of the t- Tennessee budget. Uh, we have an education instruction committee that deals with the day-to-day, what's taught our kids, how they're taught, uh, programs, policies, things like that in, in, in the school systems. Uh, I chair that subcommittee, and I serve on that full committee also. We also have another education committee called Education Administration, which is the, uh, the board policies, uh, the implementation of things, uh, uh, standards, uh, that, that type of uh, uh, over, o- overview and oversight of education. Um, I serve on both the subcommittee for that and I serve on the full committee. So in, in the education committees, I serve on all four of the committees. Man, we are so fortunate here in Murray County to have you serving on those committees and be a voice for us up there in Nashville. And at the state level. Um, Tell us, our listening audience, and I think most people know you by now, Mm -hmm. um, a little bit about yourself and your history and and what you do. Oh, wow. Well, um, I'm born in St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, Went to uh, uh, parochial schools and a private uh, all-boys, basically it was an athletic high school, kind of like IMG was in Florida. Yeah, you were big in athletics, weren't you? Big in athletics. I played football and baseball there. Uh, was offered a scholarship to attend the University of Wisconsin, where I played football and baseball. Okay. Uh, graduated with a Bachelor of Arts in History. I'm a history major. I uh, went on to play a little bit of pro- uh, professional football for the Bengals and the Vikings. Was uh, was cut in preseason camp, but I got to put on the uniforms a couple times. Uh, and then uh, went on, and I was drafted by the Chicago White Sox. I played in their minor leagues for six years. Made it all the way to AAA with the Nashville Sounds, was traded to the Minnesota Twins, and then I spent... Wow, hold on. You said you went to the Nashville Sounds? I played for the Nashville Sounds How in 92. How cool is that? Right uh, here in the hometown. Yeah, remember when Michael Jordan played baseball? Uh, yeah. Just say yes. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he came to Nashville to play baseball. Uh, I was on the Nashville Express team in AA when he was playing for the Birmingham Barons. I, I, I was one of the guys whose job it was to help teach Michael Jordan how to play the outfield when I was with the White Sox in spring training that year at the end of spring training i get traded to the twins and i wind up playing playing michael jordan here in nashville that is very cool Mm -hmm. Uh, i got it if you come to the office up in nashville it's your it's your guys office i work for you Uh, if you come to the office up in nashville there's a a tennessee an article with michael jordan on it and me on it and we're having a conversation before the game i had not heard this before that is very cool mike have you did you know that no, didn't know, didn't didn't have any idea about that. So if you if you lived in Tennessee back when Michael Jordan played baseball, and you came to see Michael Jordan play the Nashville Express back in '92, you saw me play in first base and outfield against him. I still have my Michael Jordan rookie card, and yeah. I've got it in the lucite, you know, because it's mint condition. 
I don't think I'll ever get rid of it. <clears throat> I'm doing the same. Yeah. I don't think I'll ever get rid of it. I'll probably give it to my grandson. I have a Michael Jordan cell phone number. Ah, that's a little bit better than the rookie card. <laughs> uh, Let's not play the one-up game. But, but then, uh, you know, after that, I, I spent two years down in Venezuela playing baseball. Okay. Uh, had a very good, successful career those two years. Was named MVP of the league and almost won the Triple Crown down there. I finished second in, in, in batting average, won, led the league in home runs and RBIs, and I lost batting average uh, the last game of the year. I went 0 for 4, and Luis Soho, who played for the New York Yankees, he went 4 for 4 and beat me by like a percentage point. Mm. Oh, wow. So I would have been the first American to ever win the Triple Crown in, in Venezuela. And then I retired. Um, I was 28 years old. I had done everything I could do in baseball. I had all the awards on the wall. And it just, you know, baseball is a game where you can get to AAA and you're just kind of in a holding pattern. And so I decided I was done. I was 20, I was done at 28 years old. And I want to go back and start, you know, living my life. I moved back to St. Louis, met my wife. We moved to Atlanta. Uh, I've been in the cattle business now since 1998. Uh, we have a farm. Well, and then I moved from Atlanta to Nashville, worked my way down here to Murray County. Uh, 2010, ran for the county commission. One was uh, named chairman of the county commission for two years and then ran for mayor, lost that race, close race to uh, Mayor Norman and uh, took over as head of the Republican Party, and then uh, when Representative Butt retired, she asked me to run in her spot, Ran the, was blessed to be able to win, and I've been serving the people of the 64th District for the last three years. And doing a great job at that. Thank you. I appreciate that. And that's interesting history because I, I think I've known you quite a few years, and I've never knew that it was – I knew you had played some sports and some baseball, but I didn't know to that level, and mm -hmm. I never heard the Michael Jordan story, so mm -hmm. that's pretty cool. Um I, I really like the fact you have a cell phone number, so, yeah. I won't give it to you, okay. sorry. I didn't think so. <laughs> there are certain numbers I won't give out. That's right. why I won't give well, out. Well, let's, let's, uh, let's uh, shift gears back to, um, let's talk a little bit about more what's going on yeah. at a state level in well, well, education. Let, let me help you here. So, All right. you know, I was elected in 2018 to go to the General Assembly. I wound up on the Insurance and Education Committees. I'm not a teacher. I've substitute taught because as a high school football coach, you do some substitute teaching right. because if you're not an employee, you've got to be, they make you a substitute teacher so you can go ahead and go ahead and, and coach. Uh, I did some coaching up in St. Louis for some, for some teams or for some high schools. I did some coaching here at Spring Hill High School. I did a little bit over Columbia Academy, uh, Duck River Electric. But when I got elected to the General Assembly, I got into education. And you know when you're sitting there and you're listening to presentations and you're making the face right now, Jack, I wish people could see, see that. <laughs> when, when, somebody, when people are telling you something and it just doesn't sound right and you kind of make that face like, what? You know, and you're listening to these numbers and these statistics. And what really got me going was uh, Mike Krause, who's the head of the uh, higher education, THEC. And he was making a presentation to the education committee that I was sitting on about Tennessee Promise. Now, Tennessee Promise is a wonderful program sure where we, we provide two years of free college to our community colleges, TCATs, and some universities uh, for our students if you qualify. And it's, it's kind of like a scholarship that you go and you get to spend two years at a community college. You can get an associate's degree or you can get a certificate or you can knock out two years at, at, at UT Knoxville and, and get on your way in life. And Mike Krause walked up to the microphone and he proudly proclaimed, and by the way, we spend millions and millions of your, of your taxpayer money on this program, millions and millions. And he proudly proclaimed that we have a 57% graduation rate. And I just saw your faces. And that's the face I kind of made. I'm like, and I'm, I'm a math guy. I'm like, okay, so 43% are not graduating. Right. And so I asked a question to Mike Krause. And Mike Krause paused 
And he looked at me and he said, I never thought of that. That we're sitting here touting 57%, where 43% of the kids aren't finishing. And it gets worse. Uh, when you look at a kid that has to take remedial coursework at our community colleges. So now instead of taking two years to get their associates, they have to take three. The graduation rates of those kids drop to 31%. And we're wow. spending millions and millions on free school. So that's what got me going in education. And then you start looking at it, Jack. And, you, and it's not college, right? Well, what happened in high school? Well, then what happened in middle school? Right. And everything keeps pouring. And I just got done with, the, with, with a radio show, and I was talking to Ms. Hickman. She was sitting next to me. And everything in education points to K through 3. The early years, yep. You've got to knock it out of the park in K through three to set that foundation for these kids as they move forward. And if you can knock it out of the park, and there are some districts in Tennessee that are doing a really good job at it. Uh, Germantown is one of our best in third grade literacy, 72%. Wow, that's really impressive. 72? 28% can't read on grade that's, level in Germantown. That, yeah, you got yeah, to still look at that. In Germantown. Yeah, the flip side. And so you start looking at this, and it's like, I'm not trying to be Debbie Downer, but I'm like, every kid has to know how to read, write, and do math. Right. How can they move forward in the middle school? How can they move forward in the high school? And Lord, how can they ever have hope in college? And I keep looking at all the statistics, right? And you see a pattern here. Right. And so that's where we really got going in education uh, up in Nashville these last three years. And it's been so intense up there trying to figure out and how to fix this. And the, the hardest thing about education, Jack, is that it's like in criminal justice, right? Here's a problem. I can put my finger on the problem, enact the bill to fix that problem, and it solves everything. Or in healthcare, right? I, I can craft a bill that deals with a certain issue. But in education, it's an amoeba. There's, there's no silver bullet. You've got to fix 100 different things to get the results you need to get. You have to fix teacher prep in our colleges. You have to make sure the teachers, when they graduate, are able to go to the classroom and know how to teach the kids. Right. You have to make sure that your standards are good and quality. You have to make sure your textbooks are high quality. You have to make sure the curriculum aligns to the textbooks, that aligns to the standards, that aligns to the test. Yep. You have to make sure that you're not overbearing these kids in these, in these classrooms. You have to make sure that teachers, how about this, just have enough time to teach the material. Right. And so there's so many things in education, and we can get there. I mean, it's not like it's hopeless. Right. I agree. It's just, it's a lot of hard work to do. And what we're starting to see right now is the General Assembly is talking to teachers. I've been to 28 school districts across the state, talking to teachers, talking to principals, talking to superintendents. What do you need us to do to fix this? And most of the bills that we run come directly from the local level. Right. These are teachers telling us what they need to do. You know, there's something really cool. I, I was a mentor Mm -hmm. um, at the high school level for the Tennessee Achieves program. Mm -hmm. And I learned a great deal. I did it for two years. And when you talked about the rates, I had maybe eight students in my mentor group, and only about half would finish yeah. to get ready to go to college. Yeah, And it was free. Free. And that's what really surprised me. And so I talked to the organizer that um, was in charge of my group, and I said, this is frustrating. I, I don't understand why 100% didn't take full advantage of that. And he explained to me, and he mentioned stats and everything too. So I get where you're coming with the 63%, and you know that's just 
not really enough. It's mm-hmm. it's it's acceptable in a sense that it's helping some, but it's still not enough. So, and, and I'm, I'm preaching to choir here. The way you unlock the potential of an, of an individual is through education. Yep. You allow them to be whatever they want to be by being the best educated person they can be. There's no one. I mean, if, if you look at the, the the most brilliant people we have in this world, the first thing you ask them is, well, how far did you go in education? They said, I went all the way. Mm-hmm. I went all the way. Now, all the way doesn't necessarily mean that you have to go to college for four years. Right. All the way could be becoming a welder down at a TCAT in Pulaski, get, taking advantage of Tennessee Promise, mm-hmm. becoming a welder, graduating, going to work, making 60, 70, 80,000 bucks a year as a welder at 20 years old. Right. Ooh. How that's, about that one? That's not bad. Electrician, HVAC. Um, with the way the weather is right now, don't, want, don't want your HVAC going down <laughs> no, right now. No. We don't it want our cheap. You know, It's out. not cheap. And so there's so many different things. And th- when you look at the statistics of who is retiring the most right now, and I know you worked at GM, right? I did. The people that build it or fix it are the ones that are retiring the most right now. Right. We have to have a generation of kids coming in right behind these at General Motors, right? If they, if they don't have somebody on the line that can fix the machine when it breaks, they don't make any cars. That is true. They've got to have the electricians. They've got to have the welders. They've got to have the fabricators, right? You've got to have these people that keep mass manufacturing manufacturing. You got to have you got to have the electricians, the HVAC people. You can't have you, there's certain places of, of high tech industry that it must be climate controlled. Yes, you got to have people to fix that. The air conditioning and those people don't work for minimum wage, folks. And it reminds me of our career in technical education here at Murray County Public Schools. Mm-hmm. We have an amazing and still growing career in technical education yes. department, and they do a fabulous job. We have students that are learning careers right in high school, like you mentioned, coming out of high school as welders, as um, air conditioning repair. Um, this is an amazing program, and I'm I'm really proud that I worked you know directly with Dr. Brown and her department to help get the word out and help the students and grow that. We've had her on the show, and the stat- statistics from her department are actually quite amazing. Well, when, when you know you look at Dr. Jackson down in Mount Pleasant, that, yeah, par- that partnership yeah, they're absolutely. developing with businesses, um, not every kid, every kid can be wired to learn. They're all wired to learn the basics, right? reading, writing, and math, and be successful. But when they get to be around eighth grade, the way they're wired internally the kids that work with their hands, right, that understand like the mechatronics and things like that, that, that like to work as a welder or an electrician and try to figure out why the current's not, not working, we have to come up with a way for those kids to accentuate and build on that, mm-hmm. on that love and get them excited about coming into high school because they get to do what they want to do to have the career that they want to have. Not everybody has to go to University of Tennessee, Knoxville and get a four-year degree. Not everybody has to go to Columbia State. They can go to TCAT. Right. And they can get a great career down there. We went down, when Governor Lee came down and we visited TCAT Pulaski, we were in the welding class. And I think there were 14 kids in the welding class. We came down on a Thursday. Graduation was Friday. And the governor asked me, he said, so you graduate Friday. What are you all doing? They're all like, well, we're going to work Monday. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we all got jobs. That I mean, they great. had 100% placement right. in welding field. And here's what's really interesting about the, those, those, those career technical jobs. If you're a welder, and let's say you're working for General Motors up in Spring Hill, right? And you get tired of welding for General Motors, and you want to move to California, 
You just drive to California and say, I'm a welder, and you're hired and you have a new job. So these kids that have these, these the, who are electricians and HVACs and plumbers, they have incredible mobility in this world. A welder here is a welder in Ireland. Right. And, uh, and I, I want to share, because you're talking about welding, one of the first things I did at General Motors is I got hired in in a welding booth. I know. I do my a homework. A big welding booth. I do my homework. And this was an amazing learning opportunity for me, and I got really good at it. Yeah. And to this day, I've been tinkling around with some friends of mine that they have welders in their garage, and I can, I can still do this stuff. It's amazing that I remembered what I learned in 1980s. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, welding is pretty cool. If you had to, Jack, and you had to go back and earn a living, you could probably go back and lean on welding and get, Most and get, likely, and get, there's and get not much back. that has changed. No, I mean it's taking this piece of metal and putting it with that piece of metal, and making sure they don't come apart. Exactly. Um, so th- there's so many different things in education, and that's what I'm saying. There's so many different things in education that we can do right. to build. And and let's face it, we're Tennessee. Tennessee has always led this, this nation of ours. Go ask Texas about Tennessee; they still owe us. Okay. <laughs> They still owe us. Uh, you know, l- l- look at the expansion, right? From Virginia, it came through Tennessee, South Carolina. It all came through Tennessee. So we have got an obligation. And, and one now, the word moral comes up, up in Nashville. We have a moral obligation to make sure that these kids are getting the education that they need to be successful. And it starts with those teachers in the classroom. We've got to make sure that, one, we're providing the tools that they need to be successful. Mm -hmm. Number two, we're providing the classroom. I'm not talking about the structure. I'm talking the environment Mm -hmm. that these kids can learn in, right? Safe, secure, disciplined environment. Mm -hmm. We need to make sure that the curriculums and the standards and the textbooks are going to be aligned to the standards that we want our kids taught and will flow and able for the teachers to use and communicate to our students. And we got to have the support of not only the staff, not only the, the school, but we got to have the support of the parents coming into these classrooms and not only holding teachers accountable, but holding their own students, their own children accountable for their education. Yeah. And when we get back to that dynamic in education, like we had in the, in the early foundational parts of this country in the early teens and 20s and 40s and 50s, right? That foundational core of parents interested in their child's education, working with the teachers to get the desired outcome we want as a society, you'll see education take off not only in Tennessee but in this country, and we'll get back to leading the world in education where we, where we should be. Oh, I totally agree with that. Uh, there's so much to be said with uh, parents being involved in um, their students' education. You know, you have PTAs, and, and, and you just have outreach, that um, ways to contact your teachers uh, directly that this is something that can be extremely beneficial to the growth of the class and the students in, in our school district. Yeah, as, as a former teacher, the atmosphere has changed quite a bit. Uh, when I started teaching 30-some years ago, parent-teacher conferences was an all basically almost an all-night affair. We would go, we'd schedule from 4 to 7. I'd still be there at 8.30, 8.45, because I had parents lined out the door wanting to talk to me. The last... Uh, 10 years or so, if I could get six parents out of my 75 students to show up, uh, that was a big night. Because and, and that's mm. and that's a scary, you know, yeah, there, there just wasn't any change. support. Yeah, there was a huge change. And, well, and what happened was parents shifted the whole responsibility yeah. to the teachers and the and, educational system. And that contract that used to work between, as a parent, I will provide a student for you, well-fed, 
well-groomed, clean, ready to learn, disciplined, that I check with on a daily basis, and the teacher has the contract is, I will provide the learning mechanism to, to instill the, what we have to instill into those the, children. The, the, the little phrase that scares the living daylights out of me, and I think it speaks exactly what you're talking to, is when I was told we were in loco parenthesis. Yeah. We were the local parent yeah, for these not, kids. That doesn't and work. Doesn't work. teachers, we're just, you know, we're just not equipped to do that. I mean, how can I be a parent to 75 kids when I only see them an hour at, you know, in a block schedule, an hour and a half? Hey guys, we got to, we got to break, take a break. Um, we're here with, um, representative Scott Sapicki, our technician, Mike Lyle and myself. We'll be back after a few words from our sponsors. Don't go away. Big yellow school bus with your host, Jack Cobb with Murray County public schools. We'll be right back after these messages from our sponsors. Welcome back. You're listening to the Big Yellow School Bus with your host, Jack Cobb with Murray County Public Schools. Welcome back to the Big Yellow School Bus, Murray County Public Schools talk radio show and podcast on 103.7 FM. We are here with Scott Sapecki, state representative, and Mike Lyle, our technician here at WKRM Studios. Uh, just also to give a little bit to my credentials, a little bit, I was also a high school English teacher for 34 years, uh, 23 of it here in the Murray County system. Wow. So, and I always called you coach. Yeah. You're also a coach too. Yes. Coach football and baseball. Yeah. Mike's always here and always uh, welcoming uh, to add it to the show and add some great um, comments and, and uh, just really helps us out a lot when we have guests on the show. Scott, let's talk a little bit about... Um, some of the budgetary things that are going on and statewide that are for our school districts. Well, one of the things that we know, and this is for teachers that are listening to this, they've perked up right now because we're talking money. Uh, one of the things that we know we have a problem with is the General Assembly, and you hear about it every year, Jack, that, that the General Assembly has put so much more money into teacher pay raises, right? And the teachers are all rolling their eyes right now because they know it never filters down to their paycheck. One of the problems we know that we have in the basic education program, that's what the state funds education at Murray County and Tipton County across the state, is we have a line item called classroom instruction. And in that classroom instruction, when the governor and the general assembly want to put a pay raise in there, it goes into that general the classroom general instruction line, and there's literally about seven or eight things that the school board can choose to spend that money on. Not all of it is for teacher salaries. And so, you know, the governor will say a percentile. Teachers, I know who can all do math, will start figuring out how much it's going to be in their paycheck. And then they wonder where it went. And so what we're trying to do is you're probably going to see something this General Assembly coming up in January where we're going to trigger a rewrite of the BEP. Um, It's long overdue. Uh, There's some antiquated parts of it. There are some parts of the BEP that work just fine. But there's some parts that are antiquated that need to be adjusted, need to be tweaked. Do me a favor. Define BEP for those who may not know so, what it is. Um, let's say you have um, uh, $100 that is required for education in Murray County. Okay. Just $100. Uh, the state of Tennessee will pay roughly 69 to $70 of that 100 The federal government pays another 9 to $10 of that. And then Murray County picks up the last 
$30 of that. Uh, also, to answer part of your question, Jack, it's basic education program, if right. I remember right. That's and so, the acronym for it. And, and, so, and, and, and now it's not the awesome education program. It's not the stupendous. It's the basic. basic it's, just, right. it's just to make sure that kids are getting the basic needs met for education. Okay. And so there's some, there's some issues there with some antiquated uh, funding numbers for how many teachers, for how many students, student nurses, school psychologists, uh, cafeteria workers. There's just some things that need to be tweaked. And the salary issue, right? We need to have a dedicated line that if we're going to put a, a, a pay raise in for our teachers at the state level, then that has to be dedicated to those teachers so it goes directly only one spot to those pay raises so our teachers, A, feel appreciated from the state, and B, feel appreciated from the local level. And so that's one of the things we need to fix in the BEP. Also, uh, you know, the budget for for K through 12 education is now over seven billion dollars. Uh, uh, higher ed comes in at about five billion dollars. So you're looking roughly at about a total of about 12 billion dollars in education. Ten care or health care is 17 billion. And our total budget is 42. So you got two two budgets, health care and education. That is the vast majority of spending that we do in the General Assembly the vast majority. Um, And so that's why we're so keyed in on education because a lot of the ills that we face in in society are attributed to the lack thereof, the education that we should be providing for these kids. Uh, uh, Tony Parker, who's the retiring commissioner of, of corrections, first time we ever invited him, myself and another chairman invited him to come to the education committee this year and talk to us about what he thinks about education and what he sees about the lack of education in, in, the, in the state penitentiary system. And they have a program in Tennessee that when every person shows up to the penitentiary to be incarcerated, they screen them for reading levels. Women are at a third grade reading level and men are at a first grade reading level going to the penitentiary. Now, I'm not here to defend their actions of getting into the penitentiary, but maybe, a, maybe somewhere along the line, we lost that student. And their only option was crime. Their only option were drugs. Their only option was gang violence to be right. to be able to sustain to, to sustain themselves and and have a life. At and, least I'll say if I okay, the only option in their eyes in their right. eyes yeah in, in their, their perception. I mean, there's other know, things they could, we, they we could have gotten help, but yeah, they they didn't see another option, and, and, and so they made that choice. And desperation makes bad decisions. Right. And, I, and I learned this in the Boys and Girls Club in Murray County before I started at the school district, and we talked about these exact things, mm-hmm. and that was a statistic that just was um, unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And But, in defense of the Boys and Girls Club, because they did a good, great job, mm-hmm. they had 100% success rate. Yeah. With people when, that were when you do, the club. When you have intervention, especially the Boys and Girls Club at an early age, mm-hmm. you turn lives around. Yes, you do. I mean, you turn them around. I've met some of the kids when I was with the Boys and Girls Club as one of the board members who go on to win those awards of, 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 of the person of the year or something yeah. like that. Yeah. You don't have to worry about those kids. No. I mean, they're going to be outstanding individuals in this life. But, uh, you know, it, 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 it was that troubling, sobering number, that, that, that gasp you hear when someone actually says it out loud. Yeah. You're like, whoa, you know. And so there's been a lot of whoa moments up there the last three years. Uh, we put we increased spending seven hundred and thirty million for education, uh, four hundred and eighty million just in K twelve, um, sixty two million in the BEP. Now that's more just cost of increases of, of doing business. We put one hundred and sixty three million in for teacher pay raises. 
and the teachers are all rolling their eyes right now going, well, I didn't, I didn't see most of that money. And it's because we have to fix the BP. We know we have a problem. We're going to try to address it for everybody. And you said that you guys were looking at that in January. In January, we're going to yeah. run a bill. Now, <clears throat> when, you, when you get into the BEP, this is not a 15-minute uh, solve. Uh, you've got to get superintendents involved. You got to get teachers involved. You got to get principals involved. You got to get all the different associations involved, the general assembly. There's a long list of people that have to come into this and try to figure out what is, what is fair across the state. Now, remember, and this is where it gets tricky. The BEP is based off of your, your tax base, your ability to, to pay. Well, what's happened in the last 10 years in Murray County? In our in our population here, we are growing like crazy. And so, and, and recently just reported that the number one growing county in Tennessee. So our tax base is immensely increasing, mm-hmm. which means there could be a shift in that funding number from the state. We have to be very careful. And as your representative, it's my job to defend this county as best I can. Right. But boy, when you got money flowing hand over fist here, I lose those arguments pretty quick. Yeah. So we need to be very careful what we do with the BEP so we don't adversely affect counties' funding in our most uh, 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 population-increasing parts of our state. Right. Very, very. It's a tight walk there. But everything started, you know, we were, the first two years up there in 18 and 19, um, it was building – it was building the consensus of there is an issue in education, but we can, we can get there to fix it. Mm-hmm. And so uh, when we came back into session this year, the first thing we did, we came back into a special session. And my, my second one already. <laughs> and we don't have that many in the state of Tennessee ever. And I've already had three in my career up there. But uh, uh, we came back into special session for basically two things. One, we wanted to – it was the Literacy Act. It was about getting back to phonics-based education. Uh, English language arts teachers are all, I got one here shaking his head. We know that the best way to teach kids about how to read is phonics. Teach them how to sound words out. Teach them how the vocabulary works. And therefore, you build depth, knowledge, and understanding that no matter what word they look at, they can still sound it out. And if they've heard that word and heard that word used before, it'll automatically match. Once they sound the word out, they'll figure out it. Now, yeah, the, the big 25-cent term there is decoding. Decoding, right. And the only thing that messes them up in the English language is there or steak. Okay, whoever did that was not thinking well. Back then, but I didn't create it. I liked phonics, but but, but we you can got thank, we can thank the, the the people in England for a lot of that. It was mean. They were being mean. Yeah, you know? just being mean. England and Germany. You know, I mean, most most languages have two different words for the steak you drive in the ground and the steak you eat. Right. In the English language, it sounds exactly the same. So that's why you've got to teach people how to look and decode the word. Right. And that'll unveil what the word is. But we we passed the literacy bill. Um, we we paid for teacher training. Um, it was $1,000 to go to class. We had 15,000 teachers in the state of Tennessee that had to be trained. And we're sitting there going, how is this going to work? When we opened up the window for teachers to sign up, in three days in the state, we had every seat filled. That's how dedicated the teachers were in Tennessee. And they wanted to absorb this information. And there's a lot of older teachers up here that know, yeah, that's what we should have been doing all along. And... Mike's, and, and, Mike's again not right. in his head. And so it, it's, it's, it's a step forward looking back at what used to work. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It step really forward. does. And so uh, we passed that bill. And then, as you know, we just went through it here in Murray County and across the state. We passed the learning remediation bill where we brought back summer school and we brought back tutoring for our kids. Well, um, 
it's very different. And, and it went for, I think, four weeks in Murray County. It did. Four I was there. I, I participated in some of and, that this year. And we paid the teachers. Yeah. We paid the teachers. Yeah. And then um, we had very good success. We're looking uh, in September, we have our summer study in education. And we're going to get a report from the department on we screened the kids where they were in math when they started summer school. And we screened them when they left. And from across the state, the 28 districts I've, I've been to, the teachers were very happy with the progress our kids made in math. Very happy. Reading, because we're transitioning now to a new phonics-based, it's going to take a while to get that ramped up. But what we also did was we recognized that during the upcoming school year that we're in right now, we wanted to have a program in place that these kids who are most behind could get that one-on-one help in reading and math, right? And so we created the tutoring core. And if you're listening out there, if you want to help a kid learn how to read or do math and get paid to do it and spend three days a week or four days a week for one hour a day after school helping a kid learn how to read or do math, and the max, usually the maximum class size is three to four kids. That's it. And you, you'd build these relationships with these kids. We talked about the parent thing. You build these relationships with these kids that you become the go-to person for them as a backup to their teacher to help them learn. This sounds amazing. And that's what we're, that's what we're looking for is instead of having these kids struggle throughout the year because the teacher's got 30 kids, they got to get across the finish line. Right. Because at the state level, we're watching. And so if we can have that tutoring help for these kids – and a teacher could sign up to do it, and you get paid to do it. Some some districts are paying upwards of five hundred bucks a week for four hours worth of work, but and it's so it's, important and it's so rewarding. Yes, and and we're seeing at the beginning of this, we're getting some results back that these kids are really starting to pick it up because they're getting that reinforcement after school from what the teachers just taught them. They're getting that reinforcement, and they're really starting to see. We're starting to see that. That shift in reading looks like the beginning of it starting to change. Is this a program that somebody can? Do you know how somebody can do this? Is it absolutely in- call Director Hickman, call Central Office, and say, "Hey, I'd like to get into the tutoring core for these kids." Tutoring core. Yep. There's a quick class. It's. It, it, I think it's given online. It just teaches the ins and outs. Obviously, you will go through a background check, right? Um, but uh, it teaches the ins and outs of what you're going to be doing and how to relate to these kids, and and just give you a a a, a macro version of how to be a teacher. Right, because mm-hmm. teachers go to school for a long time to learn how to be a teacher, but it gives you a macro version of okay, I'm sitting with these three kids, and basically you give them a book and you're reading the book with them. It sounds yeah. like it'd be a perfect job for somebody that's retired. Mike. Absolutely. Well, I, it's, I'm working plenty, plenty hours. You are working plenty but, but, hours. But, but, but yes, it is, it, and, and and also to you know, yes, you talk about we we went to school for a long time to figure out how to do this. We were taught we were learning how to handle the 25 and the 30 mm-hmm. person classroom teaching to two or three kids at a time is a different dynamic it is. it's a different method right. i've actually and done much it. easier yeah it's a it's it's a much easier approach actually right. and, and and you get the real time results right you can see week to week these kids growing and it's something that you can always go back and say hey i helped three kids learn how to read yeah and that that is probably one of the greatest things you can ever do for a student. I can agree with that you know, totally. And, and teach them how to do math. So you never uh, know what that one student that you help do. You know, are they going to be the next? Uh, you know, on the extreme, the next Einstein. Right. You, know, you help them with math, and now all of a sudden it clicks. So that program and now they take off. So so that program was funded by Esser. 
Okay. Uh, the state dumped in $170 million into it across the state. Um, all of our teachers now have been trained. It's been incredible. The teachers came back and gave us feedback, and they've told us, they said out of all the stuff they've ever done, this was some of the best put-together stuff on how to teach a kid how to read they've ever seen. Old, new teachers, and that's what we were looking for. Are we giving and are we providing the quality stuff? And you know you've sat, you've sat through some professional development courses that aren't really great. Some? Most. <laughs> I'm glad you said it, not me. <laughs> But, I thought they were pretty good this but, year. But teachers uh, yeah, teachers yeah, came just, back and said, you know what? The stuff that we had for summer school this year and the stuff that we had for teaching the teachers was really good, high-quality stuff because we were moving towards the future, looking back at the past. What worked? And, um, you know, remember, we once led the world in education. We did. And we got to get back to that. Yeah. And and, and one thing that I've, I've mentioned, you know, before we've, we've talked about the – the graduation rate being mm-hmm. so high and how we've ha- we've chosen to accomplish it. One of the things I kind of brought up to, we led the nation in innovation for hundreds mm-hmm. for a hundred years with roughly a seventy five to eighty percent graduation rate because we made it count. Mm-hmm. We made the the graduation. We made the classes count. We made graduation count. Uh, you know, I'm not advocating you know that we drop our expectations and stuff, but at the same time. You raise the standards right, there's going to be some that just don't make it. Mm-hmm. And we've got to accept that. We've got to give them alternatives if they don't make it through. But we've also got to accept the idea that some of them aren't going to make it, and it's not always the teacher's fault. Mm-hmm. True. But, <laughs> you know, going back to the tutoring, that's probably a key to making yeah. sure more people make it. And your and teachers will jump behind it 100. They would, they'll, they'll and, jump and, and I'll go back to Boys and Girls Club, but that's where I became involved in helping kids mm-hmm. in, as a tutor. Um, they asked me if I was willing to do that. So one school year, we took time every week, a few days a week, to come into the club and do tutoring. It was a world of difference. Mm-hmm. You've seen a child come into that, that room that could barely read to being thrilled that they could read the book that we gave them. So um, most of you, all, most everybody listening to this show is familiar with Imagination Library by Dolly Parton. Absolutely. She is uh, by far the first lady of literacy in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. By great far. program. By great far. program. Great highly, lady. Highly uh, um, supported by Kiwanis. Right. Which is really, and it's a fantastic program. The kids get a book every, every week, every month, and they read the book. It helps mm-hmm. them learn how to read. And what's really interesting is it stops in kindergarten. Hmm. Stops in kindergarten. And as you mentioned earlier in the show, we really need to expand on that and go K through three. So that's what we're going to do is we're going to run a bill this year. Um, we've been talking to the speakers of both House and Senate, and we've explained to them, look, we're dumping all this money into phonics. We're key focused on reading. Let's just expand Imagination Library to third grade. Let's let these kids continue to get these books. And here's the best part. Now we don't have to mail them to the home. We can ship them to the schools and the teachers can hand out these textbooks or these these books that are sent from Imagination Library Mm -hmm. in the classroom to the kids. We can put it in their hands and guess what they can start doing with the books in class? Reading. Start reading it. Yeah. And that's that's why we're thinking about doing this. Put as many interesting things we can in front of these kids to to develop their love for reading. It's becoming a lost art in in our country. I know it's also very, very helpful and I know people are busy and they work a lot, but just sit down with your young student. And for me, it's my grandkids. 
and read a book. Just read a book to them. It takes 15 minutes to read through one of the size books I'm talking about. As you trans, as they get a little older, have them read to you. Yeah, yeah. And and that's where I'm at now. My my youngest granddaughter Mm -hmm. is in first grade and she gets so excited. She'll be over at my Mm -hmm. house here every other week and she comes over to visit. And she will be so excited to bring a book and show it to me sure. and read it to me. So you start out as – well, we're up against a hard break here. You know, let's, let's give a teaser here, right? Um, there's more stuff we've done in the General Assembly that this, this last year that we've gotten to in education. Education was at the forefront this year with what we saw with virtual learning and the pandemic and everything, kids being sent home. Um, and then we can segue and when we come back, we'll talk about uh, where we are in education. And where we're going to go move forward to and where we hope to get to in education. I think that's a good segue. You know, that'd be great. And, you know, I want to say something before the break. Phonics. It was something that I think was around the 1970s and 80s. Hooked on phonics was something that I actually participated in when I was in school. Yep. Because it worked. It worked well. It worked very well. Well, we're going to get a word from our sponsors. We'll be back after these words. Don't go away. Big Yellow School Bus with your host, Jack Cobb, with Murray County Public Schools will be right back after these messages from our sponsors. Welcome back. You're listening to the Big Yellow School Bus with your host, Jack Cobb, with Murray County Public Schools. Welcome back to the Big Yellow School Bus, Murray County Public Schools talk radio show and podcast on 103.7 FM. We here with we are here with State Representative Scott Sapecki and Mike Lyle in the studio. Scott, before the break, we were talking a little bit about budgets. We always tend to get a little carried away on different things, uh, and during the break, we were talking about phonics, which are pretty cool. Um, let's get a little bit more um, information on some of the budgetary things that are going on for our listening audience. So, you know, if, like I said, education took the forefront this year in the General Assembly. We've done a lot of things. We talked about the phonics, going back to phonics uh, programs. We talked about summer school. We talked about uh, tutoring programs. We know that we had the kids that were out of school for a long time. We know that they're going to come back into schools, and we wanted to be prepared that the kids that struggle mentally when they come back into school. As summer school is going to continue, I hope. So far, yes. Okay. Uh, guaranteed for two to three years. After that, we're going to have to figure, we're going to look at the numbers, and as long as the numbers bear the fruit, we hope they do. We will find the money to continue that program for for students in need. Summer school tutoring, all these things are are desperately needed on in our education system because not everybody learns at the same level. Mm-hmm. And so we wanted to make sure that the kids that come back into the classroom from the pandemic that were having maybe some mental issues adjusting back into it because one of the most stabilizing forces in most kids' lives is the classroom. Mm-hmm. And being away from it for so long, there are going to be some kids that come back that just are going to struggle a little bit. And so we passed the Mental Health Trust Fund Bill, which allows a local school system to develop a plan and get training for their teachers. Now, we do not want tra- tr- uh, teachers being social workers, but we want to get them the training to make sure that they could identify a student that may be struggling mm-hmm. and make the proper referral to the proper professionals. Uh, we, wanted to, we know we have a teacher shortage problem right here in Murray County. We have it across the state of Tennessee. We passed a bill, House Bill 533, which it simplifies the process for teachers who want to come from other states because well, guess what? Everybody in the world is moving to Tennessee. There are a lot of teachers moving to Tennessee, but it, there are some hoops and roadblocks that they have to go through. We voted to simplify those processes so we could get them in our classrooms as quickly as possible. Part of that is where you can have a bachelor's degree yes. and then 
work on yeah. getting your certification? I'm, right. I'm assuming you're talking about in, the teachers will know what I'm talking about here. Reciprocity. That's correct. From, yes. from state to state. And, and so there were, there were some hoops that you had to jump through and we tried to streamline that whole process that if you come in with a, with a teaching certificate from another state, you're good to go. You go right to work. Good. Um, and so that instead of having to take a praxis yeah. or take some other courses here, I just said a praxis word. That's a test that teachers have to take. Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, but the teachers all went. Yeah, Wordy I know dirt. that is. <laughs> but but it, it's it's to me if you're already if you're already a certified teacher in another state, you're already qualified to be able to get in the classroom. Mm-hmm. So you pass your background check, you go right to work. Right. Uh, we got to get we got to get more teachers in our classroom. We're looking at higher education about creating programs where we can someone who's going through the engineering and they're in year three and decide engineering isn't for them, that they can segue right into education and, and take up to be able to graduate on time to become maybe a math or a science teacher and fill in the blanks with your English language arts, your social studies, trying to create more access points for college kids who find out maybe I don't want to do what I want to do and I'm just going to segue into becoming a teacher and try to streamline that process to get them as quick as they can. Mm. Uh, we're instigating our instigating. We're instituting more money for the uh, gr- grow your own program. Murray County takes advantage of that mm-hmm. where you're growing your own teachers in the, in your classrooms mm-hmm. right now. We're trying to provide more funding for that so that you can pay these people more money to keep them around longer and get them in love with Murray County. So they want to stay here when they get their certificates and ready to teach. Um, you know, we talked about CTE, right? Uh, yes. Career technical. Uh, we are working on, we passed a bill that would uh, include two more classes for dual enrollment. So kids can go ahead and start taking more classes for dual enrollment in high school. The goal is that if a kid wants to go through career technical training, that we will create a pathway for them that by the time they graduate high school, you will walk across the stage, they will hand you your diploma, and they'll hand you your CTE certificate at the exact same time. Nice. And hopefully be able to pull that promise money down earlier in their lives so that Mm -hmm. they can, hey, I want to be a welder. I'm going to be a welder. They can start taking welding courses from TCAP Pulaski in their high school, partnering up with them and bringing those those career technical programs into our high schools like you're seeing in Murray County right now. So we're trying to provide funding. and Great programs currently happening. And the bills to make that happen. So, you know, that's where we've been. That's what we've done. And now where are we going? Where are we going in education? And so I brought with us the prepared legislation that we're working on right now okay. uh, in, the, in the education committee. And I'll, I'll just, I know we're up, up against time, but mm-hmm. I'll kind of rip through this real quick here. All right. um, to me, the most meaningless test that our high school kids take is the TN Ready. Okay. <laughs> can anybody tell me, raise your hand in the room, and I already know the answer to this. Can anybody tell me what college or university cares what our kids get on TN Ready? Mm, the no. answer is zero. zero right. yeah. They don't care. In fact, care. as a teacher and as a coach, I had a recruiter asked me about a kid. I told him, mm-hmm. I said, his TN ready scores were really, really good. And he said, I really don't care. What's his ACT score? ACT. And so we're going to switch. Yeah. Uh, we're working with ACT. And now I've learned this. Whenever the prom queen is chasing you, you're at a big advantage right there. Okay? <laughs> when you're chasing the prom queen, maybe not so much. But when, when she's chasing you, that's good news for us. ACT is courting us very heavily right now in Tennessee. They know what kind of standards that we have. They know our conservative values. They want to see if they can partner with Tennessee to become one of the first to issue a, a I guess, a Tennessee ACT that qualifies for college entrance across the country, but aligns to our standards so we can make sure our kids are learning what, what they're supposed yeah. to learn and use that for, we would use what they call the pre-ACT in 9 and 10 
which le- which will will meet our standards at the end of the school year, and also give us a predictor of how they're going to do on the real ACT. And then for in the course in eleven and twelve, their junior senior year, instead of taking TN ready, they will take the ACT. I'm kind of proud of last year we did an MC, or hashtag MCPS21, and we did a, a local video, and we went into the schools, and we talked to uh, high school students and administrators to promote ACT, and it was a, a great, great program, a great um, promotion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what, and what ACT also brings is an immediate and, and, a, and accepted and, and trusted Answer. measuring stick for our students, Tells against, you where you are. not only for the state of Tennessee, but for the against the whole nation, yeah. and and then then we can really see where we are and what we need to do mm-hmm. to 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 fix our, our issues. All know. right, Scott, what else is on that bill? Another plan? bill we're working on is the testing window, right? The testing window is all over the place. I know we're up against it. We're going to work, work on moving our testing window, window standardized across the state that it's 20 days, 20 school days from the last day of your school year. Instead of some being in mid-April, some being at the end of March where we got these big discrepancies, they're all going to fall about the same time. And we can do that because we're going to run a bill that requires paper testing. So you're not up against the, you're not up against the servers. Uh, the line worker program, the telephone poles out of Columbia State, yeah. uh, those students cannot access TN Ready Money. We're going to run a bill that allows those type of programs for those kids to access TN Ready Money, Tennessee Promise Money. No, sorry about that, TN Ready. Tennessee Promise Money, so that they can pull that money down to get those scholarships to become line workers, which is a, a dying breed. And it's, have a, it's a great paying job, also. <laughs> and they make some good money. Um, we're working on the BEP, BEP rewrite. We're working on moving social workers, school psychologists, nurses, and English language learner teachers away from the BEP and into. Uh, TANF, which is Temporary Assistance for Needy Families, to get those funded at at, at the right levels. Uh, The tutoring bill going on forever, uh, summer school, et cetera. Um, And we're working on a big bill here, and this is the big one, folks, to divest ourselves from the Federal Department of Education. Let's let Tennessee determine how we're going to educate our kids. Let's let let's let your your elected leaders who are up in Nashville determine what we're going to do, working with our superintendents in our schools, and how we're going to best move forward in education. And we'll just tell the federal government we don't need your money; keep it. We can fund it ourselves. We're very thankful that you're up in Nashville <laughs> representing us, Scott Sebecki. Um Traditionally on the Big Yellow School Bus, and and I think you covered everything you wanted to cover on that. Um, we have shout outs, and mm-hmm. I really like to do these, so I'm going to let you go first and oh, wow. do your shout out to the listening audience. Well, let, let, let's first do this. Um, the real heroes of this last year have been our teachers having to go for virtual, in-class, uh, recreate how they teach their kids. Um, without them, our society is doomed. Our society is doomed. And I just want to say thank you to our teachers out there. You did a tremendous job. We are so proud of you. We look forward to working with you in the future to make Tennessee's educational system the best in the country. Excellent, and and I love good shout outs for our teachers. Mike, do you have a quick shout out uh, you'd yeah, like to a, give? As a former teacher, I appreciate the, the the shout out, but I also want to uh, put a shout out to their right hand people, the teachers' aides that are in mm-hmm. the classes with them, almost on a daily basis. Those aides have a tremendous. Uh, they, they build the relationship with the kids. They, like I said, they're the teachers' right hand person, and uh, they do a great job. And really, don't get paid well enough. You know. No, obviously nobody gets paid well enough in this profession, but uh, just need to appreciate them a lot. They do a lot of work for us. Great shout out, Mike. And and my last few seconds here on the show is going to be a shout out to our station attendant, Mr. Mike Lyle. Thank you for all your years teaching, Mike, for contributing to the Big Yellow School Bus. 
for being a coach and for everything you do. Thank you. But we really appreciate it. Well, that's it for this edition of the Big Yellow School Bus. Thanks, Scott, for coming, and thanks, Mike, for contributing. And we will catch you on the next edition of the Big Yellow School Bus radio show and podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the Big Yellow School Bus with your host, Jack Cobb, with Murray County Public Schools. Hop on the Big Yellow School Bus every Saturday morning at 9 a.m., Sundays at 7 p.m., and Mondays at 4 p.m. to hear more about what's going on at Murray County Public Schools right here on WKRM, 103.7 FM and 1340 AM.